What's happening on NPR Podcasts? More neighborhoods and more perspectives. The more of the world that you hear, the more you hear the world as it really is. NPR Podcasts. More voices, all ears. Find NPR wherever you get your podcasts. For me, having daughters changed my life uh, in a very positive... That the, I'm not against sons, but I had enough of you knuckleheads to coach. Uh, <laughs> It, Coach, it is funny. My daughter will sit in one spot and play with toys for hours. My son is just everywhere. Well, that's interesting. It sounds like you're talking about you as a freshman. Welcome to The Limits. I'm Jay Williams. And if you couldn't tell, today's episode isn't your average interview. I actually get goosebumps thinking about it. You see, I've talked to countless icons who shared incredible lessons on overcoming their limits as athletes, artists, brand builders, and human beings. But never has someone on this show tested both their limits and my own so much. I'm talking, of course, about my OG, my day one at Duke, Coach K. Now, let me take you back for a second. In case you didn't know, from 1999 until 2002, I played basketball at Duke University. There's one, Williams for three. To say we were good is actually an understatement. We were great. And my sophomore year, we won the national championship. Me and my guys, Carlos Boozer, Mike Dunleavy, Shane Battier, Chris Duhon, and what a time to be alive. That's it. Duke has the championship. And Coach K is the proud father of three in more ways than one. Now I'm going to be real with you. I was good, but like Coach said, I was also very hard-headed and set in my ways. Before I arrived at Duke, I was named the National Player of the Year in all of high school basketball, but I was still so damn unsure of myself and insecure. To be frank with you, I had no damn clue what it even took to start the process of learning to become great. This man who challenged me, the one whose engine drove that whole machine, his name was Coach K, Michael Krzyzewski. K-R-Z-Y-Z-E-W-S-K-I. See, I can't even spell it so fast. But it feels weird even saying his government name. He was my coach. He's still my coach, guiding my day-to-day, whether he knows it or not. That championship in 01 was my first, but it was Coach K's third. And in his 42 seasons at Duke, he won five total. Now, if you think that's impressive, he also took his talents global, winning medals with the U.S. Olympic team, coaching current and future Hall of Famers like LeBron James, D. Wade, Stephen Curry, and the late Kobe Bryant. Honestly, we could talk about Coach K's resume for this whole episode, but Coach's real impact on me and so many others couldn't fit on the CV. You see, Coach saw me for who I was, and more importantly, listen to this parents at home, who I could become from the start. He understood that I was talented, but he also saw a rage in me that I was way too immature to even begin to process. He helped me control that and channel it into the game of basketball. You know, years later, when I had my career-ending accident, I actually moved next door to him for support as I recovered. And he understood more than anyone the way my mental health was shredded to pieces. We were both consumed, and we needed more balance. And we weren't able to get it until something really happened to us. We were, yeah, we we had to physically understand that you can't do this anymore. 
Now, if you didn't know this, one of Coach K's superpowers is the ability to empathize. You just heard his ability to empathize with me because he's been through something similar, which we'll get into later in this episode. You know, people think of him as a godlike figure. I mean, let's cut the crap. He's the greatest college coach. Actually, I take that back. He's the greatest coach in the history of all athletics. Yeah, I said it. Bill Belichick, Bill Jackson, he's the one. Okay, okay, I may be biased, but there are a lot of people who would argue that with me. But beneath those accolades was a human being, a man who put in the work, especially in the Department of Emotional Labor. And that's where our conversation started. What's at stake for you when your work is so tied up with who you are and what you're feeling and how the work of being a coach never really stops? Even in this interview, when I asked him questions about himself, listen to how he flipped the script and made it about my own story and my own struggles, about helping me understand them in hindsight. There's a reason I call this man my second father. Here's my conversation, yes, with the GOAT, the incomparable Coach K. Coach, I'll just I'll, I'll kick things off, but it's always a conversation for us. Um, I still kind of can't believe that you're no longer coaching, and I, I, I and I know you're very. I, I've listened to your podcast. I've listened to you know quotes that you've stated, and obviously, I know you're here. This is the first time that I've spoken to you personally right. since everything is going on. Um, how are you doing with everything? I'm doing great. You know, I'm I'm very happy at peace. You know. Uh, for me, uh, I coached 47 years and almost five decades at West Point and Duke, 42 years at Duke, and 11 years with U.S. You know, how lucky can you be? And there's going to be an ending at some time. And, uh, you know, I think I'll, I'll miss, I don't miss it right now, the interaction with the players, you know, because that kept you young. And it kept you always thinking because there's always something going on. But uh, I'm happy. I, you know, it's not like I've retired from life. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm, no, I mean, I'm on contract with Duke for the rest of my life to be an ambassador and do the things that I've been doing, except I'm not coaching or recruiting. And you get tired of doing some of the things you need to do to do the thing you love. And... Uh, the time that you spend and have to commit to that, I, I was done with that, and but not done with the game. I mean, I love the game, and and uh, so I'm happy, and uh, you know, more family time, and I've been reflecting, but not on games. Hmm. Uh, I've received thousands of letters and emails and cards and. You know, just unbelievable letters, people that you touched 30 years ago, 20 years ago when someone was dying, someone was sick, someone needed help. And now they write three-page letters and say what's happened since then. And it, it's very emotional and gratifying. And uh, I really have not thought of a game or cha- – I'm sorry, I didn't even think of your championship – I will. I promise. <laughs> Don't get upset with me. I'm not. You've only won five, coach. So yes, there are other championships. Yeah, to think about but too. no. I, I bet uh, I'm good. I got a new puppy. I heard. Yeah, yeah. 
You know, and, Coach, I was there when you had defense and Cameron. Like, I remember those two little yeah, guys. Yeah, but then I lost Blue, my yellow lab, last August, and he was my bud. And now I have a silver lab, and he was named. We got him at eight weeks, and he was already named Coach. <laughs> and uh, he, he weighed eight pounds in the middle of April, and he weighs over 30 now. Wow. Yeah, he's a, but he's a great guy. You know, Coach, I, I'm so curious about this. Um, how have you been able to have these relationships, maintain them, and just continue to build with all the things you've been doing? Because you've influenced so many people. Yeah. You know, for almost five decades, I've had the honor of trying to develop a relationship with a young man at 17 or 18. And that individual relationship while you're developing a relationship with a group of 18 to 22-year-olds and how, how interesting that is and how emotional and how uh, the joys and, and the sorrows. A relationship is based on a full spectrum of emotion. It's not always, like, happy. It's not always gratifying. Sometimes it's very deep and hard, but it, over a period of time, uh, when you have that with a person or a group, you develop a bond. And like when you played for me, you were here for a few years. Uh, I've loved that when, look, I'm not against a kid going after one year, that, that times change, but you could never develop the bond that we did when you had someone for three or four years. Because, I mean, just think of how many things you and I've gone through, yeah. you know, from uh, the joys of, you know, winning a championship, of uh, you being drafted, but that year we lost in, a, in an upset, you know, uh, uh, and then you having a terrific year and then the the horrific accident that, occurred and how it was going and then you're you find a new career the stuff that you did as a player now I see you doing it in this career and and striving for excellence and then the beautiful thing that I've been happy for you about is uh, your family and to see the joy of you know with you and your children <laughs> and uh, so wow that's a pretty good journey and it's not over, but I've had that with a number of guys, you know, and I got that coaching college. I'm not sure I would have gotten it coaching pro, although I love the 11 years I coached the U.S. team. But to me, that is the biggest thing that I've enjoyed is the relationships. And, again, most of them have turned out really good. Every once in a while, you know, there's – somebody who didn't see it the way you did and maybe you didn't see them the way you should have and that's life but uh, overall it's been amazing my, my freshman year you would always talk to us about the word trust right and then when i went to usa basketball and i played with jim Beheim and jay wright they also reiterated how trust was so important to being vulnerable to really being coached even Steve Kerr sitting down Draymond Green in game five for that right, stint in the fourth time. quarter. That takes trust. How do you begin that process with players who 
commit to Duke? Obviously, I know that starts for you day one, but how do you start that process of building trust in the relationship? You know, you develop trust by being honest with one another. And it starts in college in the recruiting process where you, uh, you, don't prom- you don't make idle promises and then are backed into a corner because, like, when we recruited you, we didn't say you're going to start, you're going to get a certain number of mm-hmm. minutes. We've never said that to anybody because we would take away the thing that has made you a great player up to that point. You've earned it. Hmm. And you have to keep earning it. And, uh, and in a relationship, a trusting relationship, when you tell each other the truth, but you hold each other accountable. Like, look, you're one of the greatest players to ever play college basketball. You know, you weren't that ready to do that when you just entered Duke. But and I'm not saying we did that or whatever. What I'm saying is you need to, you needed to grow up more. Hmm. You needed to have the experiences of success and failure, and then handle the noise that occurs when you're that good. You know, and you have to go through a lot of that. And uh, uh, the guys today go through more because of social media. I think hmm. it's it's very very difficult to get them to listen to one voice. You know, it's so fascinating about that, Coach. I, um, You know, one of the challenges I've always had is how to deal with confrontation, right. which for me, confrontation was more how to deal with myself, right? Um, no, no, it's a great point. And uh, I think going through that, you know, even if you – I just bring it up because I think it was one of the first times I really have it where I don't even know what the heck I said, Coach. All I <laughs> – I know Reggie Love talked about it in, in, in a book that came out, but that, that moment that you and I had at the Virginia game where you literally called me out about thinking about what was coming up playing in the NBA. And I remember, you know, that moment. Right, right. I had been thinking about that because I allowed outside people to make me think about that instead of focusing about what we had to focus on. But I didn't know how to articulate that. Right. Um, well, the, the other thing with that is you're still a young guy, man. Like, you know, and you could get distracted from having complete focus in that moment because that Virginia game wasn't, even though it's big, it's not as big as what's going to happen or or you can you can skip some steps and want to be in that the tournament right away or mm. you, you know i mean it, it's a lot of that is youth and so when i you weren't the first guy i've ever said anything like that too <laughs> uh and be, it was kind of to rock you you know like and get you even like angry at me or or whatever but to get you back it was kind of like putting those abs- shock absorbers right on your chest but instead putting them on your head and uh, and then see what what happens with that. And you know, for me, sometimes you say or do some outlandish things to shock, you know, uh, not to embarrass, to get it back to normal. And then you go through a process of recovery during the, that that time. But in other words, it, it, you can't just sit back and let it happen. Uh, and you know, so but that was a 
like that that's a for me a very small thing <laughs> like that doesn't that's not the basis of our relationship now like all pseudo father son relationships we sometimes butted heads but those moments only made our bond stronger after the break coach tells me about his strongest relationship the one that he has with his wife mickey and how she helped him find his way when he was close to a breakdown this is the limits from npr stay with us The day's top headlines, local stories from your community, your next podcast binge listen. You can have it all in one place, your pocket. Download the NPR app today. The NPR app cuts through the noise, bringing you local, national, and global coverage. No paywalls, no profits, no nonsense. Download it in your app store today. From your car radio to your smart speaker, NPR meets you where you are in a lot of different ways. Now we're in your pocket. Download the NPR app today. Instead of scrolling mindlessly, engage mindfully with the NPR app. With a mix of on-demand news, stories from this station, and your favorite podcast, you can relax without shutting off your brain. Download the NPR app today. Okay, so you probably know Coach K as, well, a coach, and a damn good one at that. But Coach K is also Michael Krzyzewski. He's a husband, he's the father of three daughters, and he's a grandfather to 10 amazing kids. While he was a head coach, he had to learn how to balance all these familial relationships with the relationships he forged through basketball. And he's about to tell us about a time when basketball failed him, and family was the only thing that kept him afloat. I guess working in sports now, you, you meet so many people and you, you hear a lot of coaches and you see their impact on young people. Right. And, you know, I think now going through life, I, I am so thankful that I had somebody like you in conjunction with my parents that can help you think outside the box. I'm, I'm curious, though, when you first got into coaching, heading into Duke, what was the original game plan compared to what it turned out to be? Like, did you come in... Yeah. thinking about all the things you think about now? No, no no way. And you're developing your base or foundation. You know, in my first eight years of coaching, you know, five at West Point and the first three at Duke, we were 111 and 106. Hmm. Uh, come on. You, there's, you're not looking at the future. You're trying to survive. You're trying to learn. And it was hard, really hard. Uh, but in going through hard, you learn, and especially I had a great athletic director at Duke, Tom Butters, who believed in me, and uh, I learned how to coach at this level and all the things that were necessary and developed a, a tougher skin, you know, where – and I believed I was going to win. I you know, I. Who would have thought at this level? No one could think at that level. I mean that, hmm. you know. But then you just start getting the John Johnny Dawkins and Tommy Amaker and Mark Allery and and Billis, and then when they're seniors, you're there's 
Danny Ferry coming in, and after him, there's Quinn Snyder and Christian Leitner and Bobby Hurt. And all of a sudden, I had these remarkable, talented guys who, you know, you started improvising. You started, instead of putting them in a box, I got a chance to see what they could do. And then I, you know, I wanted them to use their talents, especially the great, you are one of them, you know, Battier. I wanted Battier to always think the game while the game was going on because he did it so well. And he could orchestrate along with you and Mike and Booz and, and, and those guys. And, and uh, once I got that level of talent and then started to see what that meant, I said, you know, it, it's accomplishment, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you, you can have confidence in yourself, but as you accomplish, you should get more confidence. And then I, I, I kind of developed my own style. I was uh, yeah, I got great advice during the 84 Olympics. I was uh, this scouting for, uh, for Coach Knight, not on the staff, but a scout. And one night I was uh, at, I mean, this is 84, so I've been at Duke for four years. And uh, I'm sitting with Coach Knight, Mr. Iba, and Coach Newell. So pretty good. Yeah, I've got my mouth zipped tight and just listening and and uh, Coach Knight had to leave. I mean, he's the head coach. He was doing something. And so Coach Noel and Mr. Ibo are there, and, and they said, we had developed some friendship. And they said, uh, you know, you're going to be – you are a good coach. You, you got a chance to be an outstanding coach. And I said, well, thank you. And, it, and they, they said, do not try to be like us. Hmm. And, and don't try to be like Coach Knight or anyone else. But if there are things that you see from us that would help you develop you, you you can never you can never be someone else. You're in the process of becoming you, and I never heard that that way. And they were right, and so I started to follow my my instincts more as a result of that evening. It was a very impactful uh, night. Uh, uh, for me, you know, being with, I mean, three of the legendary coaches in the history of the game. When I committed to Duke, I heard about it in the 90s. You guys obviously had a legendary run winning it in 91, 92. But also, you know, Coach, I, I think one of the reasons why, I don't know, you know, for me, frankly, uh, having my accident was one of the the darkest and the brightest moments of my life. Right. right. Um, I think it, it was an opportunity for me to have a rebirth as a as a person for the person I wanted to be. I never really paid attention to what kind of person I wanted to be. I was so busy focused on my goal of, of playing. But I'm curious about when you had your back issue, um, herniated discs. Right. Can you take me through that? Because everybody has an accident in some form or fashion, right, Coach? Like how how you manage that and trying to coach at the same time and the time it forced you to take away from the game, how difficult that was? Well, you bring up another really important point and that like when you were as a player, you were consumed with being that player, just like a, someone with immense talent and anything can be consumed. And 
a lot of other things were not important in developing. And it took what you went through and a lot of dark times to finally find out who you were supposed to be. You are who you are supposed to be now. A lot of people do not get through those dark times. For me, we had gone to seven Final Fours in nine years. I couldn't say no to anything, and I never had a break. I was always doing stuff. And, and then I had this back operation, but I had to have it immediately after we started practice that year because uh, it was misdiagnosed, and I, I lost about a third of my uh, left calf, the, the muscle. And if, if I didn't get it right away, I could have had what they call a drop foot. And so I had it, and they said, well, you should take this amount of time off. And again, you take a day or two days, and you come back. And, and I hit a wall, not just a physical wall, but a mental health wall. And uh, uh, by the end of December, you know, my wife in early January, Mickey you can't, you, you got to get help. And uh, if you don't get help today, I won't, when you come back from practice, I won't be here. And it took like uh, that, and I did get help, and I had no feeling, you know, like literally, I mean, I could feel if you touched me. What I'm saying is I could not feel anything. Mm. Uh, I I could yeah, and it it took me about four months, and the belief of my athletic director Tom Butters. I resigned uh, at his home one night, and he said, "You're not resigning. You're going to get well." And Keith Brody, one of my former presidents, worked with me every day, uh, and fi- I mean, I would watch the Vegas game or the and say. Who is that guy? That I, 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 I can't do that. And you kept watching it and going through it. And finally, I developed a new way of looking at it and new way of leading and not being a micromanager. Mm-hmm. And I was fortunate. And so you don't get through your dark times alone. And you didn't either. Yeah. Look, it happens to many people, but when... It happens to somebody who has achieved a great deal in a certain aspect of our society, whether it be in medicine and sport and coaching and whatever. It's a little bit different. You get what I'm saying because you had to go through something similar, you know, and by, because I, we were both consumed. We were both consumed, and we needed more balance and we weren't able to get it until something really happened to us we were yeah we we had to like physically understand that you can't do this anymore coach was that mickey for you because i know you know a lot of the things i went through your voice was always ringing in my head. There were so many lessons that I learned on the court 
that you will always talk about being applicable to life, right? But until you're really going through it, right, right. Um, you're like, oh, now I see how that translates. Who was that? Who was Coach K's coach? Well, you know, I'm lucky that I have a great family and my daughters, and but my wife, you know, was the one who got it started and then stuck with me during this time. And by being around good people, like Dr. Brody was unbelievable, and Mr. Butters, they didn't give up on me. They believed that I could get it. Hmm. And uh, in your case, you weren't going to be able to get it at the level of physicality. You know, the, the, the injury, no matter what you did, there was no way. Yeah. There was no way. And for you, you had to reinvent who you had been. I had to find out how I could do what I had already done in a little bit different. We see what my whole thing wasn't taken away from me. It was still I could still find it. Hmm. You know, you you weren't gonna find no matter how and you did try very hard. And that must have been very difficult for you. And and so the process you went through was a lot longer. You tried to regain what you had lost, and it wasn't going to happen. I'll never forget my conversation with Coach K. I was in the hospital room only hours after my accident when I saw this figure walking down the hallway. He came by my bedside. He grabbed my hand, and he handed me a pendant that his mother had wore. And with no look of sorrow or pity or anger in his eyes, he held on to this pendant in my hand and told me in the midst of me crying that no matter what, you give this back to me when you play again, because you will play again. You are bigger than this moment. When it comes to building relationships, doing this emotional labor, there's no one better. But now that Coach K is retired, where the hell is all that energy going to go next? That's what we're talking about after the break. The end of an era and the start of a new one. This is The Limits from NPR. I'm Jay Williams. Stay with us. This These days, it can feel like the news is fighting for your attention wherever you turn. But staying informed shouldn't be a battle. Everything you need to navigate the stories that matter to you is at your fingertips. The NPR app cuts through the noise, bringing you local, national, and global coverage. No paywalls, no profits, no nonsense. Download the NPR app in your app store today. Or you can go to npr.org slash Hey, it's Aisha Roscoe from NPR's Up First podcast. I'm one of thousands of NPR Network voices coming to you from over 200 local newsrooms across the country. We bring all Americans closer together through free and independent journalism, music, politics, culture, and so much more. The NPR Network. What you hear changes everything. Learn more at npr.org slash network. I think when I was hurt, when I rented a, a home, I think right down the street from you, it was the first time I yeah, right. I ever got a chance to see. Um, I've never even said your name out loud before, like Michael Shashevsky, like the the person. I've always 
you've been coach. You've been coached to me. You've been coach right, K. Right. I remember I saw you um, picking up leaves and acorns and putting them in the back of your car, mm-hmm. and it, it led me to believe what. What the hell do you do with your free time, Coach? Yeah, well, I do a lot of uh, thinking. I, I'm not a golfer, so we have uh, 14 acres of land and right next to the Duke Forest, and eight of them are deer-fenced. Hmm. So we're able to have a beautiful property. And I like working out, like this past weekend, I was cutting down stuff, you know, garden. I'm not a gardener like I know every flower, but with trees and all that, I, I just like things looking good, and, uh, and I like to be outside. And then uh, with my dog, if he's with me, that's a cool thing. I like going for walks. Uh, I, I like being with my family. We're fortunate to have our three daughters and our 10 grandchildren right, right here. And, uh, and then uh, I'm trying to figure out w- exactly what I want to do hmm. uh, instead of saying this is what I want to do and just jumping into a bunch of things. But uh, I- I'm happy. I'll tell you, one of the biggest discoveries I've made since I retired, uh, two of my granddaughters uh, just graduated from high school. They're different. Yeah, Carly and Emmy. And Carly graduated from St. Mary's, which is in Raleigh, an all-girls school. Really good. And we're at the graduation. It's a Sunday morning, and it's outside, and it's beautiful. And eight of my grandchildren are sitting right in front of me and Mickey. And sometimes graduations take a long, you know, they, they, can, they can be beautiful but tedious. Mm. And uh, this one was really beautiful. And uh, we're driving home, and I told Mickey, I said, that was happy. I, I was, and I said, you know, something happened that I can't remember when this has happened. I was only thinking of the graduation and my grandkids. Now, I have that focus for a game, don't get me wrong, uh, and those people deserve that. When I am with my, my kids, my wife, uh, I'm in that moment completely, and uh, they don't even know that I was at a dance recital thinking about how the heck I'm going to make Jason Williams play harder uh, <laughs> or play some defense. Uh, it's a, just know. a little bit, just a little bit just of defense, lo- Jason. Just, please, please, just. <laughs> I know you're going to get thirty, but the other guy can't get twenty-eight. All right, I would like a bigger differential there than that. <laughs> uh, all right, and Betty can only take yeah, so many. Only do, and so much Sue Duhan, he can only do so much to help. They can do, yeah. <laughs> Coach, I really appreciate you taking the time with me today, and I, I love you, and I'm so happy that you found a place where you get a chance to have that freedom and get a chance to spend time with Mickey. And hey, get- by the way, when is uh, you? Uh, I didn't know the third. Yeah, we have a daughter due um, October, around the same time as Amelia was born, so around okay. October 10th to 15th. Well, congratulations! You, uh, you, you're for me having daughters changed my life uh, in a very positive, that I'm not against 
sons, but I had enough of you knuckleheads to coach. Uh, <laughs> uh, coach, it is funny. My daughter will sit in one spot and play with toys for hours. My son is just everywhere. Well, that's interesting. It sounds like you're talking about you as a freshman. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so the, the DNA is in there. Yeah. Uh, Hopefully he'll get some guidance from his sisters. Yes, hopefully he will. I love you, Coach, and I appreciate it, bud. Thanks, bud. All right, we'll talk soon. A major shout-out to Coach K and his team for making this conversation possible. That is my guy for life. And in a lot of ways, he's a part of the reason I'm still here, still thriving and creating the life I want for myself and my family. Coming up Thursday, lots of basketball talk in this week's episode of The Limits Plus, where Coach K dishes out some secrets from watching Stephen Curry practice. As always, remember, stay positive and let's keep it moving. The Limits is produced by Devin Schwartz, Mano Sundaresan, and Lena Sunsgiri. Our intern is Daniel Soto. Our executive producers are Karen Kenny, Marilyn Williams, and Yolanda Sanguini. Our senior VP of Programming and Audience Development is Anya Grumman. Music by Ramteen Arab Louie. Special thanks to Christina Hardy, Rudy Correa, and Charlotte Rigby. brings you the updates you need on the day's biggest headlines. The Senate narrowly passed the debt ceiling bill that will prevent the country from defaulting on its loans. Stories from across the world. Knowing how to forage and to live with the land is integral to Amis culture. And down your block. From CPR News, this is Colorado Matters. And you can find all of that and more in your pocket. Download the NPR app today. What's happening on NPR Podcast? Money. Power. Tacos. White collar crime. Green parties. Black reparations. More of the perspectives that make your world a more vibrant place. NPR Podcasts. More voices, all ears. Find NPR wherever you get your podcasts. Big news stories don't always break on your schedule. But with the NPR app, news, culture, and podcasts are ready when you want them. In your pocket. Download the NPR app today.